Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Welcome to our two, the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710. That's Joey Pyburn, Matt Nelson running the board. I'm Tom Nelson. Thanks for tuning in this morning. So our next guest started with the state of Washington as a temp razor clam tech in 1980. He graduates later this month with 40 (laughs) years of service under his belt to the citizens of the state of Washington as as the lead shellfish bio on the coast. Dan Ayers joining the show this morning. Good morning, Dan. How are you, my friend? Morning, Dan. Good morning, guys. 40 years. Dude. Makes me take a deep breath and think, wow, did that happen? Wow. Well, it's it, you look back at it and it goes pretty fast, but uh, you, you've seen some changes in the state. I just, you know, um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of the things you've seen, some of the things that surprised you, and what are the, the most remarkable points of a four-decade career for Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, Dan Ayers? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a big question, guys. I mean, uh, I'm honored, number one, that you're taking the time to talk to me this morning, and, and honored that I've had the opportunity to do this all these years. You know, I, I grew up in Aberdeen. I was the little kid that got kicked out of bed at 5 in the morning to go dig razor clams with a family that did it all the time grandparents that were always on the beach, uh, great-grandparents that were involved in razor clamming. And and if you'd have told me walking out of Aberdeen High School back in, I uh, hate to say it, 74, uh, <laughs> that this is what my life was going to look like, um, I would never have believed you. Um, it's always been a fishery I've had a deep love for and that have had an opportunity to, to have some influence on it has um, has been a pleasure and an honor and um and, uh, you know, a little hard to close the door on it, frankly. Uh, you know, I mean, some of the highlights, uh, you know, there's there's certainly been challenges. I mean, this this current closure that, that we're going through with, uh, once again, with this marine toxin issue um, has, has been probably high on that list. And, you know, that really didn't come around until 92, so we had a good number of years without having to think about it. And ever since then, life has really changed with a lot more sampling and these sporadic closures that sometimes are long, sometimes are short. Um, you know, that, that's probably been the biggest challenge. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you still have beaches full of happy clam diggers. And, and the fact that we're going to have one beach open tomorrow, or, well, hey, later yeah. to, uh, today, I'm going to go work with my my techs and uh, and my crew and uh, see some happy clam diggers, I hope. Well, it's got to be cool, Dan, to see such a a healthy population of clams. You know, like you said, you you were getting out of bed when you were five years old and going and digging clams. And and we 40 years later, we still have such a healthy population of clams. And we have all these folks out there on the beach. And you've had a hand in managing these clams over all these years. It is it is very gratifying to see that, and part of that's the power of the, just the power of the biology of, of razor clams and the and the ocean here that has produced you know such strong populations. And I think the best thing we've been able to do is offer opportunity and then get out of the way and let those clams do their thing, and uh, not take so many in our digging uh, 
digging offerings that that would impact that. And um, you know, I, I think we've done all together. You know, and then it's just not just me; it's a whole team that does that work has has been able to make that happen um, and let Mother Nature do what she does so well. Well, well, Dan Ayers joins us today. I, he's going to retire here later this month after four decades. Uh, in state service for decades as a, as a wildlife biologist, particularly specializing in in, in the oceanic uh, clam pop, excuse me, ocean beach clam populations, and 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 you know a lot of people, Dan, don't really understand the reason for the closures and the algae that creates the domoic acid that that causes these issues, and and it's it, it's is the algae that 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 collects is it is it a temperature driven situation can you um can you tell us what influences the abundance of the the algae that that eventually biomagnifies in in the razor clam and causes uh potential paralytic shellfish poisoning can you can you kind of put your finger on what's going on with with regard to the influences of that particular algae yeah, well, I mean, the, the the study of harmful algae is a is a global issue, and people all over the world are studying this issue in, in all kinds of nooks and crannies, uh, where it's different species of plankton, different areas. Uh, you know, in Puget Sound, it primarily is a, a plankton species that produces paralytic shellfish poisoning. Out here, it's actually a different algae species that produces what Department of Health experts would call call amnesic shellfish poisoning, or and that that toxin is demoic acid. And it's pretty self-explanatory. It causes brain damage and in, in fairly light cases could cause permanent amnesia or, or loss of memory. But in higher cases, thankfully, that we've never seen because I think we've protected people from it is is uh, uh, stroke-like symptoms that lead to death. So because of that, we've got to be so darn careful and, and working closely with our partners at Department of Health all these years and I, I was at a meeting all day Thursday uh, on this issue and sitting next to my colleague at Department of Health. And I mean, he's one of my closest colleagues. He's the guy whose phone number is at the top of my list, uh, top of my head all the time. And we talk and and uh, all the time. And he's an avid clam digger at the same time. But, at the, you know, his job is to protect human health. And my job is to get people out digging and working together. We can make that happen. And. What is it temperature driven? I mean, there's a lot of questions about that. This, the big bloom that of this algae that uh, that closed us down this last fall, came from Oregon, believe it or not, Central Oregon, blew all the way up here with um, if, with a shift of winds and currents late in the fall. And uh, you know, it is temperature driven. It's driven by somewhat healthy ocean conditions because what makes this algae bloom is what makes the algae that uh, feeds razor clams also bloom. Right, right. So it's kind of a conundrum. Often when you have strong razor clam populations because the ocean's doing well, uh, you'll also get a bloom of this toxin because the ocean's doing well. Uh, hmm. And it's natural. You know, it's not pollution related. It's just one of those things we've got to deal with. Is it a situation that 40 years ago we just didn't have the sampling and we weren't as aware of it or is it an abundance increase in in this algae overall? Well, it it um I, I think it's the the former gotcha. frankly. I, gotcha. I I really believe that it's been here. Right. And that um you know, we've over the years Department of Health has done, done things like look back in hospital records to see if they could see a string of unusual stroke symptoms or, or, or cases or um, trying to find it in the historical record. We looked back at people that brought us canned clams. When, when this first happened in 1992, we asked people to bring any canned clams they had or frozen clams, and people showed up with clams from 1981, you know, and 
Um, they had him tested and found demoic acid in low levels. So that sure. tells me that at least that long back it was here. Well, there's no reason to believe it wasn't. So, so some, pe- yeah. some people drink to forget. Some people eat razor clams to forget. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just one of those things. Um, so, well, and, and why are we making such a big deal about razor clams? Because it's this amazing economic driver for our coastal communities. We get a million clam dig trips in you know over the course of the year and that and that's that did i see that it's worth 90 some million dollars to coastal communities all the folks coming out on their clam dig trips it it generates an amazing amount of 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 financial impact to these small communities and you know we hear from those folks all the time yesterday when we announced i had almost instantly I was in the Southern meeting, three emails right away from resort owners of small little businesses on the coast saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, and, and, and then a lady from a small little little corner grocery store, you know, same thing. And um, Well, if you've, and, 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 go ahead. if you've ever went out and dug clams on the coast, you see, you can look, yeah. you can look one way down the beach and it's just People. a sea of humanity yeah, yeah. digging clams and you can look the other way and everybody's out on the beach digging clams all those people have to stop at gas stations and restaurants and you know all all that um money is is needed by those those coastal communities you know i, I and i want to say one thing dan so i I dug my first clam about two years ago. I'd never went out to the coast and, and done it. Um, went out, dug my limited clams, came home, and I was like, I've never cleaned one of these little buggers. i got to figure this out. And I, I Googled on – I went on YouTube, and boom, Dan Ayers pops up. And, you and you're, yep. you're the way I learned how to clean a clam. Commander and, and, uh, clam. Yes, exactly. So thank you. Yeah, well, no doubt. And thanks for well. helping how they taste too. Holy smoke suit. All right. So – what does Dan Ayers, after four decades, what are you going to do during a retirement? And you can't say dig razor clam. You, <laughs> you can't say that. Okay, uh, that's, that was that was first on the list. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you sound like my wife. Actually, she keeps asking that question, and she's got a long list that'll keep me busy for a while. But uh, you know, I, I we I, I have always been a, a a big gardener, a vegetable gardener, and we have live on a little bit of land and grow a great big garden every summer. And over the last ten years or so, we've, as our daughters have gotten older and and uh, kind of transitioned away from home, we've had to find a home for some of that vegetables that we love to grow. So we started a little farm side, roadside farm stand, and uh, we go to a farmer's market here locally in the summer, and I just love that. It's a little bit like razor clam digging when people come up and say, how do I cook this beet? You know, it's kind of like, how do, you, how do I clean this clam? And it's so fun to teach people and talk to people about how to do that and how to enjoy a fresh stuff out of the, you know, not only out of the ocean, but out of the ground. And uh, uh, that's, it's a little bit the same. And uh, we look, I look forward to doing more of that and not having to do it in such a rush because I need to get back to work. You know, I can take my time and really, really enjoy it. So that's, that's number one on my list. Uh, I like to travel. I've got family members in, in uh, Poland and was an exchange student in Switzerland that'll go visit those friends. And, uh, you know, my wife's a little younger, so she's still working. So some of that's going to have to be solo or wait for her. But um, I'm sure there'll be – and I'm not dead. I, I, I'm just – I live five miles from our office. I told the guys, you know, I'll, I'll be around. If you need some help, here's my phone number. I'll keep my fingers in it a little bit. But um, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm leaving it in good hands, and I think they're going to do just fine. 
absolutely just fine um, with, with if they just hold the program that we built together and uh, keep moving forward. Dan Ayers, four decades working for WDFW. Truly a public servant, dude, and uh, we can't thank you enough. Thank you for taking your call, taking our, our call today, sir. And 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 don't be a stranger. We we may have to uh, to call on you for some for some technical questions. But uh, I I would I would like to uh, cajole you into the boat one of these days and yes. get our mutual friend Bob Buchanan on board. Uh, and uh, I go, love that. Go, yeah. Let's go wet a line, my friend. It's the least we can do for let's a guy that it. spent four decades working for WDFW. You need to go fishing. Dude. Well, yeah. thank you. I'm Appreciate really, I'm really and honestly, I'm disappointed that you're a fisherman that's becoming a farmer. Okay, we want to turn that back around. We're going to put, turn you well, back well, towards the water. Well, Dan here, and I talked last night, and and there, nothing goes better with fresh garden veggies than clams and salmon and crab. That's true. This yeah. is this is all true. Amen, yes, sir. There all we right. go. All right, that's right. Dan Ayers, God bless you, buddy. Thank you so much, and and, Thanks, and good guys. luck and happy retirement. Thank you very much, Dan. Appreciate it. Congratulations, uh-huh. you you graduated. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, man. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, coming up next, a critically acclaimed award-winning Northwest Outdoor Report right here on the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. The Northwest Outdoor Report is brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Taking your safety seriously for over 70 years. Razor Clemens back on Copalis Beach for three days. The tasty ocean beach bivalves have had a break since November. That ends this morning. We've got a great minus tide to dig this afternoon. Just yesterday, WDFW shellfish managers confirmed razor clam digging reopens at Copalis Beach Saturday the 21st, followed by additional opportunities on January 23rd and 25th. We know this is short notice, but we promised to open any beach as soon as we had good results, and those able to participate will have some excellent digging, said Dan Ayers, who just joined the Outdoor Line radio pro radio program. He's WDFW's Coastal Shellfish Manager through the end of the month. We'll closely monitor toxin levels of razor clams. hope to get Long Beach, Twin Harbors, and Mocrocs open as soon as the clams are safe to eat, says Dan. Multi-season big game tab, tag applications available now. Multi-season deer and elk tag applications offer you a chance to extend your hunting season and getting on special hunts with any weapon type. The bag limit is still one animal, but by using your choice of weapon, you can essentially triple your chances for success. If selected for the 2023 multi-season tag, you can hunt in any open unit during all general seasons, starting with archery, then muzzleloader, and finally modern firearm to get in more hunting days and increase your odds of success. If success, if success, if selected, you can also apply for special hunts in the under in or under any weapon type. Hunt in both eastern and western Washington with a multi-season elk tag. Multi-season applications can be purchased online or at dealer locations through March 31st. Hit mywdfw.com for more information. Western Washington Sportsman Show kicks open February 1st through the 5th at the Puyallup Fairgrounds. The show has a full lineup of seminar speakers, countless outfitters, guides, booths, and your favorite manufacturers in the outdoor industry, and outdoor cooking camp, and so much more. Log into thesportshows.com for more information about the Western Washington Sportsman Show coming up the week of February 1st through the 5th. While you're at the show, hit the Washingtonians for Wildlife Conservation Booth and please become a member. T-minus three weeks and counting. The largest boat show on the West Coast is set for February 3rd through the 11th at Lumen Field Event Center in downtown Seattle. You'll find hundreds of boats on display at the Event Center from stand-up paddle boards all the way up to 60-foot cruisers and everything in between. Experts will be giving daily seminars on boating and fishing, and there's hundreds of vendors at the show with nearly every boating accessory imaginable. Come see the latest marine electronics crabbing, shrimp gear haulers, safety equipment, and all the comforts you need for your onboard lifestyle. That's the Seattle Boat Show coming up February 3rd through the 11th. Get more information online at seattleboatshow.com. 
Rewrap the rods, re-spool those, lead, those, those reels, sharpen the hooks, and buy some bait. Winter Chinook will be fair game on Wednesday, February 1st. Gives you plenty of time to, to de-winterize the boat and trailer as well. A fishery is scheduled to run seven days a week through March with a one adipose clip Chinook in excess of 22 inches. We've got a few more fish to work with this year, 7,150 allowable encounters. WDFW really closely monitoring the fishery, but we'll be back in the Blackmouth business soon. If you missed Nikki Kester's rundown of this fishery in the first hour, catch the podcast at theoutdoorline.com. Those ordering salmon in a popular eastern Washington restaurant last summer were unwittingly served a side of felony with their fish. TJ's Bar and Grill in Kettle Falls was convicted in Stevens County Superior Court of the felony offense of unlawful fish catch accounting in the first degree and sentenced to pay 10000 in fines. Brad, Rod- ba- Brad Roden, WDFW statewide Inguest- investigative unit captain, said the investigation showed the restaurant commercially sold salmon that had been recreationally caught in Canada during the summer of 2019. The restaurant's owner made several fishing trips across the border, bringing back his catch to be served in the restaurant without the necessary permits, paperwork, or commercial licenses. Buying and selling fish and wildlife is highly regulated, and the department's investigation showed TJ's Bar and Grill did not comply with these requirements. For shame. The Northwest Outdoor Report has been brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Find the best in tires, brakes, wheels, batteries, shock struts, and more at LesSchwab.com. All right. I bet it was delicious, though. <laughs> it was delicious. Cheesy salmon. It always feels a little Stevens better County. when it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go to the fishingmagician.com. That's a website of our next guest, who is the first speaker at the Seattle Boat Show, Dave Grable, the fishing magician himself, joining us next year in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the RenaissanceMarineGroup.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Weldcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. Well, the boat show starts off one week from Friday on February 3rd, and this gentleman has the distinct honor of kicking off the seminar series. We've given the very first seminar at the Seattle Boat Show. How did you gain this august position and welcome to the show, Dave Grable, the fish and magician. How Good are morning, you? Good morning, Dave. Good morning, guys. How did you? Well, that was kind of a surprise to me. You know, I've been doing it for years, as you as you know, and uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty exciting. So, very interesting topic too: where to catch the largest trout in the state. That's a pretty <laughs> pretty cool topic. So where so so. What a lot of people really don't understand, Rick, and we got to talk about this earlier this week, is Eastern Washington is where are where the biggest trout are in the state, and there's really no question about that. Well, I, I'm not going to argue with that about that with you, Tom, because we are so blessed. I sent you a, a photograph that was taken yesterday. A uh, friend and I ran up to uh, Brant's Landing, which is above Chief Joseph Dam on Rufus Woods. And the limit up there is just two fish each. And we were done before noon. And uh, the fish ranged in size from two and a half to about eight and a half pounds. Trout. Jeez. Trout. Trout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. And I've I've got probably three from the reservoir in the 15-pound class myself. <laughs> I've, uh, I've seen them, man. They're amazing, just amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, they're they're incredible. Uh, you know, and the biggest trouts, you know, it can be relative. Uh, in some cases, you know, I'll talk about, say, Lake Roosevelt, where, you know, we've caught fish up to, say, 27 inches, 28 inches. And those are usually the red band rainbow that are native to uh, Lake Roosevelt. And they have to be released. But it's not unusual to catch a 24-inch rainbow from the shore. Um, there are fish, you know, I'm going to say they average at least 18 inches out of that reservoir. And the numbers are crazy. Um, Austin Mosier, who you both of you guys know very well, uh, recently was out uh, with his clients on Lake Roosevelt trolling, and they took 31 fish in a morning up there. And uh, one of them was a very large uh, red band that they had to release. So there's awfully good numbers of fish in that class. And for many people, Tom, I believe that's going to be the biggest fish they've ever caught. Yeah, with the the biggest trout. For sure. There's no question about it. I, 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 I was blessed with some beginner's luck my first trip to Rufus Woods, and, and the first fish of the day, the first fish I caught out of Rufus Woods was 17 and a half pounds with we, Austin. We could not believe it, Dave. We could not believe it. And and we've talked about this before on the show. The table quality of those Rufus Woods triploids, I, I mean, I, this is blasphemous, I realize, but I... <laughs> I tell you what, they eat better than some salmon. They do. They do. Uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm sorry, but they're they're just they're that phenomenally full of oil. Now, you know, they it's it's a little unfair because it's it, it's it's an artificial feeding situation. There's net pen aquaculture projects in in Rufus Woods, obviously, but uh, well, so so that aside, when the weather warms up and and we get some bug hatches and some of our other lakes around. Give us some other, maybe not central to the Columbia River, but but it, other lakes that you would target if you want. Like we talked earlier, and I don't remember the name of the lake, about a really large Lahontan strain cutthroat um, lake that uh, that you've experienced and you've you've had great success in, Dave Grable. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Omak Lake will Omak be lake. one of the uh, lakes that's on the list. Um, that one I've been fishing for over 20 years. It's on the Colville Reservation. And so the fact that you need a tribal license to fish the lake keeps a lot of people away. They just don't want to buy that extra license. However, a tribal license is buying, it's like uh, getting a membership to a private yes. fishing club mm-hmm. or something. You're buying because, access, yeah. You know, the we got... Uh, my most recent experiences there, uh, in a, about a four-hour period, we'll catch 30 fish, and they'll average 18 inches. And uh, the last trip, I, I landed a fish that was 28 inches, and these are Lahotan cutthroat. And a friend of mine broke the state record twice for Lahotan cutthroat. He caught one that was 15 pounds in the fall, and then the next year in the summer, he got an 18-pound open cutthroat. Same guy. And and if I'm not mistaken, you you can fish off the bank up there, correct, and and do really well? 
the spring particularly is very good from the shore. Yeah. Just casting spinners or cast yeah. masters or even fly fishing from the shore. My friend Darce down at the Desert Fly Shop in Afreda, he got a 27-inch fish just casting from shore. And that's the nice thing about a lot of these east side lakes is you don't necessarily have to have a boat. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, As I mentioned yesterday, the fish that we caught were all taken from the shore. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the, I love to fish from shore in the winter when I want to drag my boat around on the icy roads and such. I fish at Keller on Lake Roosevelt, Spring Canyon, uh, Crescent Beach, which is right outside of the town of Grand Coulee. I mean, it's just down the hill from downtown. And uh, Spring Canyon is only two miles from Grand Coulee Dam. So you got all your services and hotels and restaurants and all that stuff there. So it's a very easy thing to do just to park at the Federal Park there at Spring Canyon and walk down to the beach. And you can catch, you know, a five-fish limit of fish that could potentially be up well over 20 inches from the shore. Dave Grable joins us this morning. The website fishingmagician.com. He has the dubious distinction of giving the very first Seattle Boat Show seminar at 11 o'clock on February 3rd at, uh, help me out. I was going to Lumen. say CenturyLink, Lumen Field, Lumen Field Event Center. Thank you very much. And 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 Dave, we talked earlier this week about the salmonid upswing that we're currently seeing in the Columbia drainage. We've seen um, our our earliest forecasts for summer Chinook. The Springer forecasts are out. You've got to be excited about what's coming up your creek this spring and summer. Oh, absolutely. You know the the summer run returns have been. Oh, the most consistent of any run up the Columbia over the past, you know, at least 10 years, but longer than that, actually, we'll get a minimum of 50,000 and as many as 125,000 that will go all the way up to uh, the Brewster Pool and on up to Bridgeport and returning to the hatchery, the Colville hatchery that's located up there. And... Thanks to the Colville tribe, they've contributed significantly to that consistently high return of summer on salmon. And as you probably know, the Brewster Pool is one of the most productive waters for summer runs and sockeye uh, anywhere in the state. And we're going to see another great sockeye run this year. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's so much fun. I actually got to feed Joey some sockeye this morning, as a matter of fact. It's just, you talk about table fare, man. It is. It is just amazing. Well, and then there's the Brewster Pool, and then also, when we have a good return last year, the limit for sockeye in Lake Wenatchee was four fish. And I put, I think, 89 sockeye (laughs) in my boat in about a 10-day period. Dave, you're not supposed to say yeah. things like that. Shh. We just we just read a, we just read a piece where a, where a Stevens County restaurant was serving them and got busted. That's, oh, I know. That's just I've, the, <laughs> I've dined at that restaurant in my business up there, Kettle Falls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome though. I mean, I I have a lot of fond memories of fishing Lake Wenatchee for sockeyes. It's just it's one of the most stunningly beautiful places in in the state that. 
it almost gives you an Alaska feel when you when you look up the Little Wenatchee and, and White River Valleys up there and 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 there used to be a place up the top in a lake called the Cougar Inn where you could keep your Cougar boat. Inn, yeah. And, and it was just it, that was just one of one of my favorite memories. We had a family reunion. We used to go to Lake Wenatchee every year and 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 uh, just yeah, an amazing fishery, an amazing beautiful beautiful place. Well, Dave, I'm going to be tracking you down first day of the show, buddy. I I, I promise not to sit in the uh, in the audience and and heckle you, but. Uh, but yeah. I, but I'm gonna. Well, I, I'm, I'd love to see you guys. Yeah, yeah. no, we'll we'll come by. I we'll, promise we'll, to sit in yeah. the audience yeah. and and not heckle you. I, I I'd love to come uh, see what you have to say, Dave. No doubt, no doubt. Dave, Dave Grable kicking off the Seattle Boat Show seminar series. Fishingmagician.com's website. Go check it out. He is absolutely the authority on central Washington angling, and he and kind enough to join us today. Thank you very much, Dave. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. All right, buddy. See you soon. Thanks again. Coming up next, the hottest report heard all week and techniques you need to succeed. It's Roy Robinson RVs, really? Where? And it's next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. No way. You gotta be kidding me. Really? Where? It's coming back. The island is in the lady. Where'd you get him, man? No way. You, you gotta tell me. I, I, I'm not gonna tell anybody. The ocean turned hey, red. Hey, man, can you tell me where you got him? I'll never put on a life jacket again. Welcome to RoyRobinsonRV.com's Really? Where? Where? RoyRobinsonRV.com will take you anywhere. Really? It's time to step up to the number one Winnebago dealer in the Pacific Northwest, the all-new Roy Robinson RV Center at Smoky Point. You're going to find a complete selection of Class A's, Class B's, Super C's, travel trailers, fifth wheelers, tour haulers, pop-ups, campers, and so much more. Sign or, con- excuse me, sell or consign your RV with us at Roy Robinson RV, RoyRobinsonRV.com. Well, we just had Dave Grable on and, and talking about trout fishing over on the east side in the wintertime. Um, that's kind of, I mean... Dude. Dude, yeah, it's it, and also I I just checked the weather over there and I know it sounds cold. It's going to be in the mid thirties over there, but it's sunny and and it's not <laughs> we that were, bad. When, when we, we were over there, it was, it was like six degrees, eight zero. Yeah, man, cold, cold enough to freeze your diesel. <laughs> and listen, Rufus Woods, that new tribal launch down there yeah. oh. is there's no money. Bo- yeah. There's there's bathrooms down there. Yep. Everything you need. You can you can drive right down. You can fish from the launch and you're kind of right in the you're, honey hole you right are, there. Absolutely. And you are. got a chance at catching a ten plus pound yep. rainbow trout. And they're amazing eating. Absolutely amazing. I would be lying to you if I'm not just and I can't think of anything black else. Black mouth, black mouth. Well, sorry, black mouth, sorry. Black it's, mouth. it's the, you know, you, you're going to get the salmon show, okay, mm-hmm. if, if I can. So, Joey and I have racked our brains, and we've came, we've come up with 10 tips for Area 10 in 10 days. All right? Okay. Number one, new year, new hooks. Which is pretty easy to do. Dude, Go on. buy new hooks. I If, if you want to start a new season with last year's rusty bent metal, then you should not go fishing, I guess. I mean, come on, man. You, this is absolutely the only part of your gear that actually contacts the critters, okay? Sure. The tip of your spear. you got to start off fresh. And All then right. and then leader line. It, look. New year, new leader? Get some new leader. <laughs> get some new leader. If you leave it out, all summer, it's out all yeah, the time, right? You sure. got leader. Maybe it's sitting on the back of the boat. It's <laughs> it's back on your work. Your you know whatever table you're running back there. Um, just get new leader line. So we tie up a bunch of gear during the season. Mm-hmm. And so when I you know got broke the boat down 
and got it ready for its, you know, freshen up its facelift at Duckworth. I all the gear, and I mean all of it that we tied our hardware flash. I t- I cut it all apart. And right? then, like like you said, a lot of those you foam throw it rollers, away. throw it away. Say you've had them in there a couple years, dude. Don't necessarily throw them away. You know what you can do with them? Transfer those over to the bottom fish section yeah, yeah that's what a I did. bunch of yeah. black rocks or something and, and burn them that way well yeah and, and especially if you have some heavier stuff and you're you're doing some live bait stuff for lings or yeah. stuff like that, that that'll work fine for that it will yep. but but for salmon dude you just cannot do that um n- number three downrigger details i'm asking you right now to replace your downrigger wire people hang on to that stuff too long the reason I use wire instead of braid is because you braid cannot compete with clean voltage control stainless, okay? You just can't. Well, and then your downriggers, all your plugs, your connections, yep. you got to check all that stuff. Make sure you're not growing a bunch of green stuff on there. And, and here's the deal. A lot of people will just wire their downrigger sockets straight to the battery and then wonder why, A, the downrigger sockets go away and B, why their batteries always go dead. Um, we had a, a seminar at Harbor Marine a couple years ago where we had the blue sea systems guy there. And, uh, and actually Lauren's having this, um, uh, uh, a, a trade show at, uh, at Harbor Marine later. Oh, this year. really? Yeah. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. April 15th. I want to say, okay. we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit later, but, but the blue seas electrical guy made, made us aware that listen, man, on, on your boat, there's a salt fog. Your boat's in the water. There's a salt fog that's that's conductive on a microvolt stage or excuse me, microvolt level, and and so if that's the case, you're that's why battery systems have such a hard time in salt water because they're constantly leaching and and you you've got a condensation in the inside of your boat no matter what kind of boat you have, moist air gets inside it encounters the hull sides encounters things that are cool and and condenses okay mm-hmm. that's why you get salt on top of your batteries. Yeah. Right? So that's a big, big deal. And also, if you're going to change the wire, you're going to have to re- change your terminators, too. And I don't care if you're not going to change your wire, at least cut off last year's connections and make and them off fresh. Sure. Yep. And then, um, and then the other part of the equation, your voltage equation, Joey, when you're on downrigger wires, what's that, in, what's that reacting with in the water? Your anodes that are on your boat. Yeah. So and I just did that, man. I, I absolutely just, I mean, it's fresh anodes every year. Not only protect your boat's underwater metals, but they make your boat fish better. There's well, no you see what it. happens when you pull your, your boat's been sitting in the water for three months and you pull it out and there's all these little holes in there and, you know, that, that it's just eating stuff up. The book says when the anodes are 50% eroded. Uh-uh, dude. If you see 20, 25% of the anodes gone, do, yourself, them. do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor, dude. Get rid of them and... And uh, you know you look at them on 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 the um, on the engines too. They they can get smoked. That okay. Um, so number five, run all your systems in the driveway. Driveway drills, baby. Yeah. Look, hook your motor up to some water. Yep. Start your motor. Run your your downriggers up and down. Fire up the electronics with a, a downrigger ball on them. Just yeah. Like, so you're up putting and a down, load up on and down. them. Yeah. Make sure everything's working right. Because look, I'll guarantee you, somebody's going to get out there. If you don't do this stuff, you're going to get out there. And here's the worst thing that can happen. Guys get out there like um, this happened all the time with Scotty downriggers. They let them down. Yeah. 
<laughs> and they, they won't keep, come back they up. Keep on going. You see those yeah. guys with the lid open yep. and they're like yeah. with the little crank uh-huh. cranking it back up. That's well, dude, we've been waiting for this season. Don't spend the first morning hand cranking your your downrigger back up, man. It's just it is the opposite of fun. So so and also fire up your marine electronics and leave them on while you're doing all this stuff. And do you remember how to drop a waypoint? Do you remember how to erase a track? Do you remember how to how to you know um, erase a track and start a track and all that kind of stuff? Do you remember how to just become assist? become reacquainted with your menu and all the okay. options in your electronics? And then watch the display as you roll the main engine over, and watch the display as you roll your trolling motor over. And if you see a dimming in those displays, you're slowly killing your marine electronics because those those LCD displays absolutely hate voltage drops and it's hell on the memory of of those of those units too so consistent voltage happy electronics number seven probably pretty pretty important one here your bilge pump dude make sure your bilge pump is working right and then you also have wash down pumps you got pumps in your fish box you got to run all that stuff make sure everything's up and running right especially your bilge pump that's the most important thing you start taking water on and you haven't checked your bilge pump guess what you're in big trouble. As we get a little bit closer, item number eight, check the weather, check the tides, come up with a game plan, okay? And do what do you mean as we get a little closer? I was checking tides a long time ago. <laughs> um, you know, that's a given. You know, that's how you game plan. You're going to be checking tides. Yeah. You're going to be, obviously, weather, we got to wait and see what's going to go on here. But, you know, tides are a big one. You want to you wanna be looking at what the tide is doing in those spots you're thinking about going and kind of game planning. And like we talked about earlier with Nikki, you know, we looked at our tides. We got a soft one in the morning, Bad, a, a better better so tide good. in the afternoon. For sure. So keep that in mind. And I, there's no way I could stay on the dock in the morning. Though. No, 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 no. No freaking way. Uh, number nine, check your safety gear. I know people are yawning out there, but look, man, the Coast Guard will be out on the opener. And if you don't have an up-to-date fire extinguisher, if you don't have an up-to-date flare kit, I've seen guys turn back. You need a throwable device. Educate yourself in all your safety gear. Know, know where it is. A noise uh, signaling device. Make sure your registrations and tabs are up to date on both your trailer and your boat. Because, I mean, that's that's just stuff you need to do. But <clears throat> And a noise signaling signaling device is not your wife yapping that's, at you. That, that's true. Yeah, boy. <laughs> you could have got us in trouble on that one. All right, finally, <clears throat> what generally gets your boat to the water and what can stop a trip faster than a flat tire on a trailer, dude? So, um, Ann Burns, our our fishy friend, she actually reached out to me, and I need to get back to her, brakes, her trailer. Yep. She noticed her brakes were not working anymore. They're locked up. She's got to get them bled. And look, it's game time now. So, if you haven't done this already, you may not be on the water because if you got to get your boat trailer in and get your brakes done, they got to bleed the lines. Um, you better be getting that stuff done right now. Lights, Lesh, yep. tires, yep. brakes. Les Schwab. All that Lesh stuff. Les Schwab. Yep. Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Yeah. Les Schwab. They, dude, just a great shop all around. If you have a big, deep, dark brake issue that uh, and, and you can't get into Les Schwab, and they say they're busy, try Bickford Ford on mm-hmm. the north end. They're, they're really good. But I'm, I'm telling Schwab, Schwab will always get you in. They, I mean, they will. For they, the most for part, sure. you roll in there. It may be a day or two, but they'll get you taken care of. So we're serious about this fishery. 
But oh, are we? We're but, serious about every fishery. <laughs> but but the thing of it is, you can utilize this opportunity to get ready for go time. Okay, I, I mean we're gonna have you know before you know it, CQ is gonna be opening up. You know, April we're gonna get a bunch of other lakes open up. Then here comes May. Then here comes lingcod and shrimp. And now we're rolling. Okay, you know, uh, July. Excuse me, June brings. You know, more of our, our uh, resident coho program, of course. And then, if you know, if you your your boat's in the shop in July and August, you you've lost the best part of the season. It's, and here's the deal: this is a humpy year, and people come out of the woodwork, and I, and, and they we, come out of the woodwork in all sorts of <laughs> contraptions <laughs> that float on the water, or don't, yeah, <laughs> or don't. And another thing that we pack and that we've used, you know, frequently in the past. Is is I've got a tow rope, okay, and and I've got and I've got safety equipment, and I got a game plan in my brain for helping other boaters out, and and you you it's you're it's incumbent upon you if if you if a, you see a boater in distress or somebody's sideways and you're running back and they you know they wave at you or something like that. Well, somebody you, gets stuck. Well, how about this? Somebody gets stuck on the ramp. Yeah, and you want to get your boat in the water. A tow strap's pretty nice because you can get that sucker out of your way and get your boat in the water and get gone. And a that to- happened to Austin Mosier and yeah. me at Hanford Reach. Yeah. A guy went down, he got stuck. Yeah. And finally, Austin had the tow rope, and another guy unhooked his truck, yep. and we got that guy so out of I, the way. So I keep a strap in my truck for that, mm-hmm. but also a tow rope. Well, we've had to tow, tow rope for the, you know, yes, we've, yes. Yeah, yes, we have, and mm-hmm. we don't need to tell that story again. Because there we go. All right, gang. You missed any of the show, jump on MyNorthwest.com. Uh, hit uh, hit TheOutdoorLine.com or download that Apple Podcast app. Go get your boat show tickets at SeattleBoatShow.com. Come join us on the Lister Trip Adventure at Peregrine Lodge. PeregrineLodge.com. Come, come check that out as well. Uh, for Matt Nelson back there, for Joey Pyburn, give him a follow on social media at Joey Pyburn on Instagram, at the Outdoor Line on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. For Matt back there, for Joey, I'm Tom Nelson. This has been the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and Seattle Sports App.